The door appears to be opening a crack for Canada's provinces when it comes to restarting the economy. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. After about six weeks of lockdowns for Canadians due to the pandemic, premiers from across the country, for the most part, are releasing plans to ease emergency restrictions and opening up parts of their economy. In Ontario, there's a three-step plan. It's a little short on dates. In Quebec, a bit more open with the addition of children returning to school. In Saskatchewan, the plan will start with a resumption of elective surgeries cancelled during the pandemic. In Alberta, golf courses will soon open. Coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll take a look at the plans and get some analysis from the business community, as well as political reaction. And to get us some perspective from Queen's Park, I'm pleased to be joined by Ottawa South MPP, John Fraser. And John, at your point, or from your point of view, is it prudent now to reopen the economy? I think we have to start um, uh, getting ready to open the economy and slowly opening it up in a way that... Um, you know, is in keeping with uh, how we're able to manage the disease so that we can manage the disease, which is really, you know, what social distancing and all this time is about is, is to give us some time and some space so that we're able to, um, to be able to manage this disease because it's going to be with us for the next, you know, 18 months or so. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really, you know, it's, uh, we have to be prudent and, uh, and cautious and make sure we give, uh, you know, individuals and business owners time to prepare because uh you know it, it um it won't be you know business as usual for any of us for the next little while now in terms of the ontario plan it's it's laid out in, in three steps but there are no dates the fact that there's no dates does that concern you or not no i think uh i i, I think you no know, it, it uh you know right now it doesn't concern me because i don't think we've given people enough information to get ready and i think what happened in ontario was uh the government talked about announcing a plan and what they actually announced was really here's some principles and a very, you know, 10,000 foot, you know, or 80,000 foot, you know, a set of steps and people were looking for more detail. We saw some of that come out yesterday for uh, some of the things they're going to be opening on Monday and then talking to other businesses about what they're going to need to do when we do, you know, when, when they do come to open. And so um, it's just starting to come out now, and I think uh, I think it was a communications problem, which created a lot of expectations uh, with um, with people. You know, so you, you know, we got calls and people were saying, "Oh, but when are we? Gonna, when's it going to happen?" And uh, because they expected that on Monday, so uh, but we've seen, you know, there's some sort of gradual stuff happening on the fourth. Um, I, I think you'll see that move as we go along. And the most important thing for us to do and for the government to do uh, is for um, is to ensure that people have access to things like protective, you know, the protective equipment that they need for whatever their work is uh, or for those people who are going out shopping. Um, we need to make sure there's some access to that and that there's a plan and so that, and businesses are prepared and there's some ground rules out there for everybody, you know, especially for employers to protect employees. Cause you can, even now you can see some variations when you go to different stores. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's just it. And a lot of people, I think that leads to some confusion for shoppers because they, you know, at one store it's, you know, everybody's got a mask and gloves and uh, the hands and, and others it's you just stay six feet apart. So, yeah. Well, people meet, and uh, you know, people are uh, meeting you at the door and uh, giving you some hand sanitizer and some, and cleaning off the carts and 
giving you some instructions and, uh, and some have security guards, some don't, uh, you know, I, there's some, you know, and some, some places the staff or are, uh, more trained than others. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I was in a store the other, uh, the other day where sort of clearly some of the staff, um, didn't, uh, weren't really educated in social distancing. You know, obviously a beautiful day today here in, in Ottawa, the weather is getting better. How important is it to have more open space for people to move around? Oh, I think it's, I think it's a really important part of, uh, of what we're going to do moving forward. We have to kind of liberate people in a way that's safe. And if we have open spaces, we have to find a way to manage those. Um, you know, like we've got the Gatineau Park. Um, and I can understand why the NCC closed it, but we also got this big space now and we have to figure out how to manage it because it's, it's going to be healthy for people, mm-hmm. uh, if we, if we do it the right way and, you know, we can't, you know, we can't, you know, we, we have to ease those restrictions as well and, uh, and manage them. Do you see any contingencies in the Ontario plan? If, if another outbreak or a flare up were to occur? I think I think from uh, um, the perspective of uh, our ability to mobilize the acute care system, you know, we've done um, a very good job of um, our hospitals. Uh, we have a um, actually there's kind of two stories here. One is I think we're really well prepared for the for the general population from the hospital perspective. Done a great job there, but in our long term care homes and other group settings, there's a fire that's burning right now. And so um, we've got to manage that, you know, uh, we've got to better manage that one right now uh, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't start to overwhelm the, the acute care system. Uh, but I think, um, uh, I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I, I am confident that, um, uh, that we can take the right measures. Um, uh, I think, you know, I, I think, for instance, in the areas of home care and long-term care home care, uh, we needed to move quicker on, um, Improving um, you know, the wage enhancement for those employees there, and giving them more stable employment, because that that's part of the problem um, that we have there is that we have an unstable workforce, and um, and there's some been some big changes for them because this is happening, and it, it it creates hardship for them. So people are saying to themselves sometimes, I I want to go to work, but I can only work at one place, and um, you know I got to protect my family, and I'm, I'm making a meager wage. So uh, uh, anyhow, sorry, but I, you know, I, I think that's an important thing for us to remember because I know that the government's moved to enhance wages, um, but we have a longer problem than a four-month problem, right? Oh, so I, this is, you know, like it just comes up again in September in the flu season, and we get another uh, outbreak. Hmm. Uh, it's going to present some some challenges. John, I want to thank you for joining us. No, my my pleasure, Ed. It's great to talk to you uh, anytime. Just send us a note. Happy to happy to chat. John Fraser's the MPP for Ottawa South. In New Brunswick, restrictions started easing last week, and it was another act of cross-party support in response to the pandemic. And it's seen the Premier invite fellow party leaders to form an all-party cabinet committee to deal with COVID-19. And as part of uh, the decision to relax restrictions, that came when New Brunswick experienced a sixth straight day of no new cases. Now, Kevin Vicker is the leader of the New Brunswick Liberals, and he joins us now. And Kevin, all party support and an all party committee, is politics taking a back seat in New Brunswick? Well, um, you know, I think what brings us all together is this crisis, Ed, uh, COVID-19, and the number one priority for everyone is the health and safety of our citizens. And I can tell you that uh, all the party leaders uh, 
hold us very close to their heart. And so we all decided to roll up our sleeves together on this COVID-19 outbreak and hopefully uh, uh, resolve the issue without uh, any real serious incidents. And things have been very fortunate uh, since we began. From, from your perspective, uh, how, how have New Brunswick residents handled the lockdown? You know, I think amazingly well. Uh, I think there's been an incredible amount of uh, compliance uh, with Dr. Jennifer Russell, our public health uh, officer. Uh, You know, uh, the people here have taken it really serious uh, right from the get-go. You could see a remarkable difference in uh, circulation of traffic, pedestrian and vehicle traffic in small towns. The other thing we're kind of blessed here, we'd probably be very much like northern Ontario. Geographically, uh, you know, we're uh, mainly a rural society, uh, so the most part of our our population uh, live outside our major centres, and uh, so naturally uh, we're, we're apart from one another geographically, so I think that's had quite an impact as well. Kevin Vickers is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He is the Liberal leader in New Brunswick, and uh, we are talking about opening up the economies of the various provinces uh, to the the economies uh, following COVID nineteen. And uh, you know, Kevin, when we when we look at uh, what's happened um, and what's going on with, with with the situation, how how much did you see or hear from New Brunswick residents who were just antsy to get the economy going again? Well, you know, that uh, really is a, uh, you know, if you think of it uh, as a bit of a war, it's a two-front war, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, on the one side, the most important side, of course, is the health, but secondly is the economy. And if our economy fails, then uh, we don't have a support for our health system. So it's critical that we address uh, both sides of this uh, challenge uh, with gusto. I, um, uh, you know, again, uh, with regards to small, uh, medium-sized enterprises, business enterprises, uh, they're having a very tough go, as I believe they are elsewhere in Canada. And uh, all we can do is bring to the table, to the committee table, is our best uh, advice and recommendations for the province to try to make sure that these uh, engines of our economy uh, survive this and are there at the end of the day so that uh, we can get back on our feet quickly. You know, I think uh, when I looked at what uh, New Brunswick was was doing, I, I found it interesting, the uh, the two-family bubble idea. Uh, where did that come from and, and how has that been embraced? Yes, it uh, actually comes from New Zealand. Um, it, it's uh, a model that we're following uh, uh, from New Zealand. I should say we, we're following it, but uh, the model first existed there uh, in New Zealand. And, you know, um, I think there has to be a realization that you can only keep society and, and our, our people locked down for a certain period of time because, you know, it starts to wear on everyone's mental health. And mental health, of course, is uh, of great concern and importance as well. And so this family bubble of adopting uh, another uh, household um you know, gives people the opportunity to get together and to have those uh, social functions, be it a Sunday night dinner with uh, grandparents or uh, brothers and sisters and families getting together. It's really been, uh, you can you can see the difference. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. 
Uh, it's noticeable. Uh, you can see the, the smiles on people's faces. It's 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 lightened the tension uh, that the the crisis has brought us. How much has the pandemic impacted the New Brunswick uh, provincial economy? Listen, it's 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 going to be uh, something really really uh, hard for everyone to uh, recover from. This has been devastating. Um, you know, uh, only a short while ago, I think our provincial government was predicting something like a $92 million surplus this year. And, uh, you know, we're probably looking at a, a very significant uh, deficit, as, as is everyone. So uh, this is going to be a real challenge. So I think key to this, though, and uh, what I uh, continue to uh, bring to the table in, on the COVID committee is that we have to support our small businesses and make sure that uh, they have the where for all to survive this the next uh, couple of months. Uh, you know, just simple things as paying the rent. Uh, when you have no revenue coming in, uh, it's really a, a challenge. And to, you know, we hear about loans and, and uh uh, with, with non-interest loans, those types of things, but that's just taking on more debt. I and mean, what our small businesses need is real, real support uh, to uh, survive this. How, how well was the province prepared for the pandemic? You know, uh, one thing that really, truly impressed me since day one here is, and I, I think we can say this for, uh, you know, all our provinces, uh, we're blessed in this country with a remarkable uh, public service. Uh, I think all our public health officers across the country are on pretty well rock star status right now. And, uh, you know, from day one, they, they've taken us by the hand and guided, guided us uh, down a path that, uh, for the most part, has been incredible when you compare us to uh, other jurisdictions, to other countries, just look south of the border, for example, uh, what they're going through in the United States uh, compared to what we are facing here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Not to say that, uh, you know, our two largest provinces, Quebec and Ontario, are, are have serious challenges. Uh, Alberta would be the next one, I guess. But for the most part, uh, you know, as a country, I think it's been incredible and uh, so the preparedness and the response of our public service uh, they're the real heroes here at mm-hmm. our frontline doctors our nurses our our you know maintenance staff that keep the hospitals and nursing homes clean and safe uh, they're the real heroes here Kevin I want to thank you for joining us thank you very much sir and uh, have a great weekend Kevin Vickers is the New Brunswick Liberal leader. Opening up the economy is crucial for Canada to return to normal, or at least the new normal. Brian Kingston's the Vice President of International and Fiscal Issues for the Business Council of Canada, and he joins us now. And, and Brian, what is the Business Council looking for when it comes to reopening the economy? Well, first and foremost, we're, we're looking for a carefully coordinated, consistent approach to opening the economy, because the last thing we want to have happen here. Uh, is that this is done too quickly. Employees aren't protected, customers aren't protected, and we end up seeing another health crisis, uh, which requires a shutdown at a later date. So we have to have coordination and consistency across provinces to make sure that this is done right. Now, you're talking about a consistent national approach, but can that be done when you consider the provinces and the federal government don't exactly have the warmest relationship? 
It, uh, it definitely makes things challenging, but we were encouraged to see uh, just a few days ago the Prime Minister and First Ministers uh, met and they put out some guidelines for how to manage the reopening. So, uh, you know, it's a good step uh, and it gives provinces the guidance and the framework to go ahead and plan the reopenings. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we need to see a, a, a stronger relationship and more uh, coordination, particularly on the testing and uh, tracking uh, side of things, because, of course, we're not going to be able to contain this if we're not able to test Canadians quickly and then importantly trace who they've been in contact with and shut down any potential outbreaks as quickly as possible. You know, I guess from the business council's point of view about this going too fast, you you get another outbreak and then the economy is just going to go back downhill again. Well, that's exactly it. We have seen now the government spend $252 billion. That's the size of the deficit that we're projecting for 2020 and 2021 uh, in supporting the economy through this very difficult time. That's supporting Canadians with the emergency uh, uh, wage, uh, as well as the emergency response benefit. These are the right responses, but it underlines that we simply can't go through this again. We can't afford it. Um, so if we don't get this right and we find ourselves having, you know, effectively what we're calling a W-shaped recovery, we have a, a little bit of resurgence of economic activity over the next few weeks. And then let's say in the fall, there's an outbreak again. We have to close everything. The economy goes in the tank and government's having to spend again to support Canadians and businesses. That is the last thing we need. Brian Kingston's joining us in the Unpublished Cafe. He's the Vice President of International and Fiscal Issues with the Business Council of Canada as we talk about opening up the economies as we uh, get through this pandemic. And, and you know, I, there's a, nup- a number of different approaches uh, provincially uh, to uh, reopening the economies. From your perspective, Brian, which do you like the best? I've been actually very encouraged with what uh, Alberta has been doing, uh, particularly with um, the creation of a uh, tracking and tracing app, uh, which they have released and Albertans are downloading on their phones. Um, We've seen from other countries, if you're going to be successful against this virus, that is a absolutely critical component to it. Uh, If you look at what the South Koreans have done, for example, and they've, they've had some real success Tracking and tracing outbreaks of COVID-19 are fundamentally important. So I think Alberta deserves a lot of credit for that approach. Uh, The framework that Ontario has put out is quite comprehensive. and, uh, and, And the way that they're phasing in the reopening, I think there's a lot to learn there for other provinces. So those are two that really stand out to me as as being kind of on the leading edge. The Ontario one doesn't really come with much in the way of dates, though. No, it doesn't. And, and I think that's, uh, that's the right approach because you can't set uh, a date until we actually see a consistent decline in the number of cases. Um, so they've kept it purposefully vague um, so that they can take the best advice of, of uh, health officials and then uh, move forward with the reopening. I think it would be a mistake to put very uh, you know, set in stone dates on reopening because we just don't know how the virus will behave. And we don't know if there will be community transition, which would then throw that schedule completely out the window. Are there any countries that you would point to, or at least the Business Council would point to as an example uh, for Canada to follow when it comes to reopening the economy after the pandemic? Definitely, uh, I would point to South Korea. They've done a great job. Uh, Singapore um, was doing quite well, although they've had recent outbreaks. But in in both instances, um, the the testing and tracing has been critical. The other key piece here is protective equipment. And countries that have done this successfully have made sure that businesses – 
and citizens have access to protective equipment, be it masks, gloves, face shields, you name it. Um, and that will be absolutely critical here because we can't expect people to go back to work. And, you know, in some workplaces, maintaining physical distance is, is relatively easy. Uh, but think about, a, you know, a 40-story office tower with two elevators. How do you get people up and down every yeah. single day, you know, ensuring that this, this distance is maintained? So there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of making sure people have the right equipment and protocols in place. Um, and I think we can learn from South Korea and, and how they've approached that. You know, I read your uh, your uh, recent article regarding uh, medical supplies and the resilience of the Canadian economy. And, and I guess looking for the silver lining in this whole pandemic, is is that a, an opportunity for Canada to maybe sort of shift the economy a bit towards medical supplies, PPE, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think there is uh, an opportunity. This, this whole crisis has made people rethink um, their supply chains and the resiliency of their supply chains. Um, and, you know, the one caution here is we don't know what the next pandemic will look like and what supplies will be required. So we're never going to be able to be completely independent and resilient in, in building our own sort of medical supply and protective equipment. Um, but we should, you know, this is really underlying the importance of having a strong industrial capacity. I've been really impressed by companies uh, like GM and Linamar who've been able to pivot very quickly and build other things, be it ventilators or masks. Um, so there, you know, there, there's Im- importance about having that uh, in your economy. And I think with the, the new trade deal, the USMCA, there will be an emphasis on strengthening the North American uh, economy and making sure that we have a little bit more resiliency uh, as a continent. So I do see a bit of an opportunity there. And um, you, know, you, you hate to see an opportunity in such an awful situation, but mm. I think that is one potential bright spot down the road. Brian, thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. Brian Kingston's Vice President of International and Physical Issues with the Business Council of Canada. Now, the guide to reopening the economies appears to be gradual, opposed to widespread. The bottom line in all the plans is to ease into it and to avoid another flare-up of the pandemic. Now, Ontario's brought in guidelines for employers to follow. And Chris McDonald teaches business ethics at Ryerson University, and he joins us now. And Chris, uh, it must be a tightrope for employers who have to balance the business and costs of dealing with this pandemic as well as the safety of the employees. It is. Um, and I think it's going to be increasingly so as we, you know, hopefully in uh, within weeks or months move into a phase where more and more businesses are starting to reopen. Um, we're going to start to see restaurants having to figure that out. We're going to start to see retail outlets having to figure it out. And it's, uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. Now, in terms of Ontario, these are described as guidelines and not necessarily rules. And usually guidelines, you know, that's, if there's no sort of uh, stick at the end, some people just take advantage of the situation, do they not? Yeah, they may well, but they may well also find out that the stick at the end is uh, public opinion. If uh, someone gets sick at your establishment and, and it later is found out that you weren't following guidelines, um, there are going to be some very hard questions to answer, I think. What what should employers be doing or putting in place to ensure safety right now? Well, I think it's, you know, the, the answer is going to vary enormously depending on what kind of uh, establishment you are. If you're a, you know, a small local bar, that's different from being, uh, you know, a large uh, retail clothing outlet. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the, a couple of, a couple of overarching considerations. Uh, one is to um, talk to the talk to people who have an interest in it. Talk to your stakeholders. Talk, in other words, to your employees, 
maybe talk to customers, see what's going to what, what they think is going to work um, and what's going to meet their interests. Because ultimately, you know, the overarching one of the main overarching principles here is you want to be able to have good answers to the questions when people ask them. So when people say, hey, why is it you're doing it this way? You want to be able to say, well, look, we thought it through. We talked to the relevant people. And here's the reasoned um, uh, procedure we came to, as opposed to saying, gee, I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. What recourse do employees have if they feel their workplace has, is not safe or has not been made safer? Well, uh, there's a, a number of options, I guess, and you know some some of them would involve legal action, I guess. And I'm not a lawyer, so I won't I won't go into those. No. Um, but um, you know, certainly, you know, you would hope in any in any decent workplace, you know, talking to your manager and making your opinion known would be would be number one on the, li- on the list. Um, ultimately, you've got the option of of uh, at least in principle of quitting, though that of course uh, makes life difficult uh, in other ways, and. Um, you know, in some in some cases, it may it may inspire unionization. It may inspire collective action, either formal or informal. Uh, what about liabilities for employers if a uh, possible outbreak occurs in the workplace? Is that something that they have to worry about? What kind of an impact? Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, great question. Again, kind of a legal question. So I'm going to steer steer a little bit clear of it, but certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, liability in the broad sense, as in, you know, are you going to be held accountable for it? I think, you know, the answer is, is clearly yes. I mean, if you're, if um, uh, first and foremost, people are going to hold you accountable, but with their purchasing dollars, right? If you're responsible mm. for an outbreak, people just aren't going to be showing up. So I think uh, companies have all kinds of uh, reason to, to want to be cautious and to say, look, you know, we want to open up, but we want to open up safely. We want to open up in a way that's not just going to gain us uh, sales next week, but the week after and the week after and the week after. You know, we we, we bandy around that phrase, uh, frontline workers, um, those on the front line. Of course, we, you know, with emergency responders, we see that doctors, nurses. But, you know, right now we're looking at people who are delivering takeout. We're talking about grocery store workers. You know, people who were not really the most respected professions in the world, uh, they're getting a a bit of a different look and a little bit more respect now, are they not? Yeah, I think, you know, it it puts a very different spin on, um, for example, the training that those kinds of people receive. And these are are jobs that are, um, in in some cases, uh, not very well paid, they're precarious. And, and in some cases, at least, employers aren't very motivated to spend a lot on training and getting people uh, uh, you know, either trained, certainly not a lot of training done in the past on how to deal with customers in, in, in this kind of context. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it also um, means that, you know, and I've argued before um, that, you know, one thing it means is that um, people that had jobs we kind of took for granted can't really be taken for granted anymore. And so, for example, those of us who are able, not everyone's able, but those of us who are able ought to be upping our game in terms of tipping when it comes to the people bringing food to our door because uh, they've got a tough job and they've got a job that's arguably uh, a good deal more dangerous than uh, the jobs of those of us who have the luxury of working from home. Chris, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Chris McDonald's an associate professor as well as chair of the Department of Law and Business and the director of the Ted Rogers Leadership Center at Ryerson University. Now it's your time to weigh in on our unpublished odd vote question. Do you feel the time is right to start opening up the economy? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on and have your say right now. 
I want to thank our guest today, Ottawa South MPP, John Fraser. Kevin Vickers, the leader of the New Brunswick Liberals. Brian Kingston with the Business Council of Canada. And Chris McDonald teaches business ethics at Ryerson University. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand. <laughs>